0: For those that are visiting us, and if you don't know me, my name is, uh, my name is Francisco Banda III. But that sounds too formal. You can call me Frankie or Frank. Either one is fine. The most people call me Frankie. I'm 49 years old, but they still call me Frank. And it's fine. I, that's the one I answer to the most. Today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some uh, life experience. And I'm going to parallel it to a Bible story. Uh, The message as I saw this unfolding was a blessing to me, and I'm hoping that I can relate that to you so that you can see that message, see what, what I saw. So the title is Can You See? Can You See? One day, I was uh, visiting my sister, Anna. For those who are visiting and do not know my sister, Anna, she was battling cancer, ovarian cancer. Uh, she had it quite a while ago. She uh, was in remission for, for a couple years, and then it came back, and she was fighting it for the past few years. Uh, the last few, uh, last month, she passed away, but she was, the last three or four weeks of, of her life, she it was real hard on her, and she was really suffering and suffering. Uh, it was a real difficult time for her, but I was visiting her one day, and uh, as I normally do er- early in the week, it was early. I don't remember if it was a Sunday or Monday, but I was visiting with her, and uh, she has cable, so I go watch baseball and football games with er, with her. I don't have cable, so I had to go to her house. But that that wasn't the reason I went, though. But that was a that was a benefit of going to go visit her. <laughs> uh, okay, so it's partly the reason I went. But I was visiting with her, you know. I was there, and there was other people there. But I was there, and I sat next to her. And, and if she was doing it at that time. She would curl up on her sofa and, and had her lay her head on the, on under the armrest. And but she was away from me. So I just sat there and say, "Hey, what's up?" And she goes, uh, "She just she just sat there, and we're just sitting there." And out of the blue, she goes, "She told me something." You know, I'm not going to tell you what it is because. Um, uh, I really don't want to tell you what it is. But she told me something, and, and it just caught me to- totally off guard. And, and I, I had to repeat, you know, what you say? And, and she goes, she repeats what she told me. And, and all I can remember is as soon as I heard those words, my heart dropped. I was hurt, I mean, a deep hurt from hearing this from her. That It was so hurt that I didn't even know what to say to her. I didn't know what my reply to her could be. I didn't know what words to say. And I just said, no, that's not so, you know. It's, just didn't, I just couldn't, I was so hurt, I just couldn't reply to her from what the words she told me. As I left her house and returned to my house, that hurt, that hurt that I was feeling turned to being upset with her. Not angry, I wasn't mad at her or angry, I was just upset. How can she say that? You know, doesn't, why can't she see? Can't she even see? How can I make her see was the questions I I had all week long as as that was early in the week. And I was, because of what she told me, and and I was trying to figure out how can I make her see? What can I say? What can I do to make her see? But the more I thought, I thought all the the words that I can say, because at the moment she told me I couldn't think of these words. And I was thinking of all these words I can tell her. But I was still upset with her that, I knew if I went to her house and just it knocked on the door, "Hey, I need to talk to you," and started telling her, it wouldn't come out right because I was upset with her, and and it just wasn't gonna make her see. It wasn't not gonna direct it to what I saw, what for she, she can see. So I, I didn't go back to her house. Still being upset with her for most of the week, you know. And again, it's not an angry or mad at her. Just I couldn't believe she couldn't see, or why she can't see, or. I was upset because I, I didn't know how to make her see. So I had all these, this, these questions for her that whole week. That Sunday came, and I, I had to go drop something off at her house. But I couldn't stay a long time because I had an appointment later in the afternoon, so I, just, I was just going to be there quick enough to drop off some, something, what she needed, and, and just say, hey, what's up? And, and I was, had to be out of there. We had an appointment. And so I, my wife and I went there Sunday and as, as we delivered what we had to deliver and as I saw her I could see things weren't looking very good I mean they were looking pretty bad and, and I couldn't those words that I thought of all week I just couldn't bring it out to sell her because you know it, was, it just didn't feel right for me to be telling her these things and, and trying to ask her can she see or why can't she see I just saw that just wasn't looking very good. Two days later, Tuesday morning, I woke up feeling real bad, real sick. Uh, Not just, I was aching all over over my body, and there's a good reason for that, but I was, all my joints hurt, my back, my knees, my, it's not from getting old, I was was just feeling sick, it was just, I was was miserable that, that morning. Uh, actually, all Monday and t- Tuesday morning, I was feeling sick, and I, and I thought, well, oh, man, I, I'm just going to call in sick to work today. But as I, I, I took my kids to, to school, and I crawled back into bed for a little bit, and I said, no, I'm going to go to work. Uh, I'm late, but I'm going to go. You know, it's, it's already late. It's already 8 o'clock, and I got dressed, and, and I started off to work. This was So I was just a couple blocks from, a few blocks from my house, and my sister lives pretty near to where I live, about five minutes, in the next neighborhood, about not even five minutes. And uh, as I was at a stoplight, I get a call from my sister, Bila. You know, and didn't think anything, but she's always asking for stuff, you know. (laughs) Fix this, fix that, can you come do this? I thought, oh, here we go again. But I was at a stoplight, and my sister, Bila, calls, and she just goes, uh, you need to go to Anna's house. Something's not right. because my, my mom was with my sister, Anna, and she goes, something's not right. You need to go. So there I go. I was just at the corner. I turned around and headed to my sister's house. And I was going to my sister's house, and knowing that I was just a couple minutes away, I was at a stop line, and this fear came over me, and it just said, what am I going to do once I get there? what can I do? And I started thinking, uh, is she going to need CPR? Can I even do CPR? She, I mean, she was wasted away. Her, her body was so weak, and, and so she was so thin and she was in eating. and I said, I don't know if I can even do CPR because I might break something, and, and I'm going through all these thoughts. What can I do? What am I going to be able to do once I get there? Because I know I was going to be the first one there. And this fear came over me, and this anxiety, and I am no don't know where I, what I'm going to do, but I, here I am going there, and and I don't know what I'm going to find so I get there as I pulled up to her house the ambulance beat me about a couple of minutes I would say not even five minutes a couple of minutes and as I walked into her house mm, the EMT wasn't even working on her he said she's gone she said there was nothing we can do And in that instant, that moment, the tables were turned around on me. And that question that I had about my sister, could she see? How can she not see? was turned around. And with all that pain and all that sorrow and all that anxiety and all that that dark cloud hanging over us when I heard those words, it was this question was turned around and came to me. Can you see? Could I see? So here I am, sad. And it was, it's a weird thing because, if you don't know, my sister was one year older than me, and, and we grew up together, going to school together. We went through from elementary... I think it was sec- first or second grade. We, we were in the same class from first or second grade all the way till we graduated high school. We graduated high school together. So we were always kind of around each other. And, and, but not that I had a special bond with my sister. We all have a, uh, our own special bond with my sister. But that was my bond with my sister. And it, and it just felt weird to know that she's not going to be there no more. And when you think about it, you have these, these, this anxiety, this this sorrow... But the question was, and was at that moment, can you see? See, that question I had about her was now turned around in my sorrow. And all this that I was going through, and it was on me. Can you see? Let's turn, let's turn to Acts. 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 I know my Spanglish probably makes it sound like weird, but Acts nine. I will to say sh- chapter, chapter nine. And this is a story we all know, but I'm going to parallel it to what through my life ex- that life experience I just told you about. So just a little, back, 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 a little bit of background, Verse uh, uh, chapter 8, verse 1 and 3 say, Saul agreed with putting him to death, him being Stephen, after Stephen giving this, this great speech uh, about Christ, and they stoned him, and, and Saul was there. Saul is Paul, who we know as Paul. Saul will later be known as Paul. Uh, Saul was there, agreed in putting him to death. On that day, severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered through the land of Judea and Samaria. But devout men bur- uh, buried uh, buried, uh, buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. Saul, however, was ravaging the church, and he would enter house after house, dragging out men and women and putting them in prison. So here's Paul. Saul at the time. He has his idea of what it should be like. What it should be. He has his own idea of what God's all about. He has his learning, his, his teachings, and he has his perspective, and he's not going to let anybody mess with that. So here we are in chapter 9. And it says, While, meanwhile, Saul's still breathing threats and murder against the against the let me read it from here. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to, to the synagogues at Damascus so that, he, that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them to, bound to Jerusalem. So here we have Paul. And this is his focus. This is what he is determined, determined. This is his life. It says he's still breathing that, that breath that we have that makes up our life, that gives us life, that breath. This is his life. He is consumed by this passion, this thing about going and getting all these disciples that following Jesus, the ones that are belonging to the way, what they call the way, the sick call the way. He's going to go get them, and he's going to put them in prison, and he's going to persecute them, and he's going to hurt them. He wants them to denounce that, Jesus, and he wants them to believe just like he is, he is focused. He is determined. He is consumed by this. And my sister was focused and determined and consumed by her illness, her fight with cancer. And she was just focused on that and and she was focused on why can't she breathe. And she was focused on why she was feeling that way. Why couldn't she walk? Why she cannot eat? And she was focused and determined on that and nothing else. Just as Saul was, nothing was going to deter him from, that, from his goal. Nothing was going to change his mind. And there I was when that table was turned on me, and I was focused on my sadness. I was focused on this black cloud. I was focused on this loneliness. I was focused on the tears. I was focused on the hurt, and nothing was going to take me away from that. And nothing else mattered. Just as with Paul, nothing else mattered. He was going to Damascus, and he was going to get those people, and he was going to bring them back bound to Jerusalem. My sister was focused on the hurt, and the pain, the suffering, and her agony, and her m- misery. But the question still remains, could Paul see? And the question still remains, could Anna see? And the question still remains, could I see? See, we all have our own focuses. We can focus on our job. You know, this is who I am. My job is what I am. And this is my job. And I'm going to do it. And nothing else matters. Our careers, we're gonna study, this is where I wanna be in certain years and this is what I'm my title's gonna be and we're focused and nothing else matters, nothing's gonna deter us, nothing's gonna change our minds, and we're focused on that. We focus on money, this is the money I need, whether we need money to pay bills, whether we need money and we're short on money, I'm gonna do all this. And I'm focused to get that money, and nothing's going to deter me, nothing's going to change my mind. And we want to say, I want to make this certain amount of money, I need to have this certain amount of money, and we get focused on that, and we don't let nothing change our mind, and nothing come in the way. We get focused on the material things that we have, and I just have to have the latest thing. Oh, yeah, I have a car, a 2005 car, but that's not good enough. I want a 2016, 2017 that I haven't even come out yet, and that's my focus. I'm going to have the latest thing. I'm going to have the latest and greatest. I'm going to have the biggest house. I'm going to have uh, the best TV, the Biggest TV, the greatest resolution. I'm gonna have all the nice clothes. We're focused on that. Nothing's gonna deter us. Nothing's gonna change our mind. Nothing else matters. We can focus in our misery, in our troubles, in our pain, in our illness, and we say we're not gonna focus on. We don't focus on anything else. Nothing else matters. This hurt is too much. This pain is too much. Nothing else matters. And we focus on that. And nothing deters us from that. And we are determined. And this consumes us. And it becomes our life. We begin to focus on those things that we think that makes us happy. Such as travel all over the world. Yeah, I'm going to go see this. And I'm going to go see that. That's my life. That's what makes me. That's what makes me happy. I'm determined to that. Nothing's going to get in the way. Nothing's gonna deter me. It consumes us. Sports and hobbies that we focus on and nothing changes our mind. And don't say that won't happen because it happened to me. I love playing sports. I love playing baseball and soccer. And at one time, that's all I did a year-round. Here in Houston, you can play year-round. You don't get that cold. And we had summer league, which started in the spring, but we played all summer. And then we had the fall, fall ball, which played all summer. And halfway to the, through the through winter, I asked Brother Marcus, I was on his team, and we played baseball year-round. And, and boy, that's all I lived for. You know, I I was at church, I was in my seat in my pew in church, and, and the preacher was preaching, and amen, brother, but my mind was in... That game tomorrow on Sunday where I was going to be playing center field and how great it feels out in center field with the sun hitting you, the smell of the grass, the the sound of the bat hitting the ball. Oh, man, I was consumed. That was my focus. That was my determination. That was my life. And nothing was going to take me away from that. And nothing mattered other than me playing baseball. Then it turned into soccer. When then... I started playing soccer, and never mind about that. I started playing soccer year-round also. And all I can think about is that goal, that penalty shot I was going to stop as a goalie, or that, that defensive play I was going to make, five-on-one, and yeah, I'm going to stop that, that goal from being made. And I was focused on that, and I thought about that 24-7. If I was awake, I was thinking about that. And that consumed me, and that was my determination, and that was my focus. That's who I was. Just as Paul, this was his focus, this was his determination, this was his life, and this is what consumed him. He was going to go get those people that were in the way, the disciples of the Lord, those people that followed Jesus, and he was going to bring them back, and he was going to bound them, and he was going to persecute them, and he was going to throw them in jail, in in the dungeon, or wherever he put them. That was his focus. Verse 3. As he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus. And suddenly, suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why, do you perse- why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he, Jesus, said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. So here we have Paul determined going straight to Damascus. He knows what he's going to do. He knows what he's going for. And he's going there and then suddenly a light comes. And I can only imagine you see in pictures where the light's so bright, brighter than the sun, that, that he has to hide his, his eyes. Even if he closes his eyes, it's still not dark. He still needs to shade his eyes because it's just so bright. And that's what I imagine, the light from heaven coming. And it's just so bright, just like laying down in the, in the beach. And, and, but you're, it's facing upward. You still have to put shades on because the, your, your eyes are closed, but it's still too bright. It's a, it's a blinding light. If you will. And I can just imagine Paul covering himself. From this blinding light. It is a blinding light to what he was focused on. It was a blinding light to what he was determined on. It was a blinding light to what he was going to do. What he was, had consumed him. And this light came and it blinded him. But I want you to make note of this. It says a light from heaven. A light from heaven. And it was Jesus speaking speaking to him when he, he asked, uh, when he heard the voice. It was Jesus speaking. He was speaking from heaven where he is now, where he is our risen Lord, no longer in the grave but seated at the right hand of God. In heaven, Jesus was speaking to From heaven, Jesus was speaking to him. So this came from heaven. And we note here that this light, this blinding light that, Blinds us from our focus, from our de- what has us determined, what has us focused, what has us consumed, has to be from heaven. It's not in self-help books. It's not in medication. It's not even in a good sermon like today, right? but it only comes from heaven itself. Not to say that a good sermon or a good book or, or medication is bad. Those are, those are good and those are tools that God uses. Uh, an example here of my, of my sister. See, my sisters would come to my, my other eight, seven sisters, <laughs> would come to, to stay with my, my, younger, my, with my sister Anna and, and they would console her, talk to her. You know, me I, a guy really didn't do that much, but you know, I just sat with her, kind of. And, and, and this is one of the things my, one of my sisters wrote to her. He gave her these verses, and he says, I am blessed. I am chosen. I am adopted. I am accepted. I am redeemed. I am forgiven. I am loved. See, these are good things, and these are tools that God uses. But hey, we gotta understand, we gotta know that the things that blind us, gotta come from heaven, gotta come from God. And if we do not see that, and we recognize that, it would not blind us from this focus that we have. And the question will still remain: Could Saul see? Could my sister Anna see? And in turn, when that table got turned around, could I see? And now I ask you, brothers and sisters, in your focus, in those things that have you consumed, that has you determined, that nothing else matters, can you see? Verse six. And it says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuted. He says, But get up and enter the city, and I would and get up and enter the city, and it will be told. They will be told to you what you must do. See, the blinding light that blinds us from our focus, that has us consumed, it's not just a blinding light, but it's a revealing light. It's a revealing light to something much greater than what we are focused in on this world, what we has, has us consumed. There is something greater, and that light has determined to to not not blind, blind us from those things, but also to reveal this greater thing, to something much greater that's in store for us. Just as Jesus told Jesus uh, us all, and it will be told to you what you must do. do. And Jesus said, "Had something greater for." for Saul, and he was going to reveal it to them. So this light is not only a blinding light, but it's also a revealing light. Verse 7, the men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. And at this point, at this point of the story for Saul, is solely a revelation to him. And no one else around him completely understand what was going on and so it is with us sometimes when we're going through these things and we're we're consumed, and this light comes and it shines on us and 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 it blinds us from our what's consuming us and it's going to reveal something to us uh, uh, something much greater and there's no one else that's going to understand but you because it is solely for you and it comes from heaven solely for you verse 8 Saul got up from the ground and though his eyes were open he could not he could see nothing and leading him by the hand they brought him to Damascus. <clears throat> so once we have Paul who is determined and going to that city to do what he had to do what he thought was right what he wanted to do and nothing's going to deter him. He is now being led to something greater. But it is not something from his own understanding it is not something through his own knowledge it is not something through his physical eyes but it's something much greater that comes from, some, from heaven and he has got to be led not seen with his eyes <laughs> funny thing uh, that week that, that week that my sister passed I, I woke up not only did I wake up sick feeling sick uh, Monday and Tuesday but my vision started getting cloudy. I mean, blurry. I couldn't it was the, Every day, it was getting blurry and more blurry, and I couldn't see no more. My, these glasses, which are prescribed glasses, I, I couldn't use them no more. I, I had to take them off because they weren't doing me good, and I just couldn't see. And I was struggling. I had to go, like, <laughs> walk around like this because this is where my, the, the highest, uh, uh, the, where it's highest right here in my for I can read. And I, I walked around like this for, for that whole week because I just couldn't see no more. My eyes were blurry. I just found it so curious that at that moment, that week, and there's a good reason why my eyes were blurry, but that's a whole different story. But, but it's curious that it just ha- so happened on that week that I just couldn't see when that question had come to me, when that question was posed to me, when that table was turned on me, can you see my eyes were failing me? Verse 9, And he was there three days without sight, nor there, neither eat, ate nor drank. See, there's something greater. There is something greater when we are blinded to what had had us determined in our lives, what we had consumed us in our lives. When this blinding light comes, there's something much greater that food and drink no longer is much of importance because it's something greater that we are being led to as we begin to see. Verse 10. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And he had seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind, us, bind all who call on your name. So we begin to see that Paul is beginning to see. Not with his physical eyes, not what he knows, not by the knowledge he has, but it's coming from within, coming from above in a vision. He's coming from above, it comes from heaven, from this heavenly light that has blinded him from his focus and has led him to something much greater. And he's beginning to see not with his physical eyes, not what he knows, but something in deep inside. Something spiritual he is beginning to see. And we also get to see here how important unity of the brethren is. How important it is to gather together. How important it is to belong to a group. To belong to a family of Christians that we can call brothers and sisters. We see how important it is to have that prayer jar back in the back. Because here we see Ananias was to pray for him. 15. But then the Lord said to him, go to... Go for the, he his chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my sake. And we begin to see that there is much greater, something much more greater than what we are focused in in this world, what we are determined in this world, what this world has consumed, how this world has consumed us and what has us thinking that this is who I am, this is my life. And we begin to see that it is becoming an instrument of Jesus Christ himself. Paul had this special uh, ministry, this special instrument to be the one to bear the witness to the Gentiles and to the kings and sons of Israel. You and I, brothers and sisters, are instrument to spread the word to the whole world, to the ends of the world, as he has commissioned us And this is a greater thing that he is calling us to. He is leading us to. And it says, I will show him how much he must suffer for my sake. And we read that and we say, "Uh, maybe this is not for me. But what it's telling us here is that this thing that he is leading us to, this thing, what we thought was the most important thing, that what we thought nothing else matters, what we were focused on, we begin to see that, when we are blinded to that, when that is taken away, that that doesn't matter. But this thing that Jesus has called us to, this greater thing that he has called us, that no ma- it won't matter if we suffer. It won't matter if they put us in chains. It won't matter if we get whipped. It won't matter if we get rejected. Because we are called to something greater. And it is much greater than what, we, what had consumed us to begin with. He has caused us to be his instruments. Verse 17. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying his hands on him, saying, "Brother Saul, and the Lord, the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit." And immediately the, there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he got up, and he was baptized, and he took food and and was strengthened. So we can see here that that. In verse 17, that it was something from the Holy Spirit. It's not something physical. It's not something that we have in our heads and knowledge we have. It's not something that that we study for. But this is something spiritual. There's something that comes from God. This comes from heaven itself, from heaven. And it it leads us to this very important thing that those things that we thought were important, those things that were consuming us, we find out that those are not what we should be focused on. But he has something greater for us. He has something that we would consider even suffering for. And it's something that has been led by the Holy Spirit of, of God himself. And we see that the things fell off his eyes and he began to see. But it was not a physical sight. The great thing is not here that the things fell from his eyes, and now he could see physically. The great thing is that he began to see spiritually. He began to see something greater, not just with his eyes, but something greater that was in store for him, something greater that the Lord had called him to. The things that he was focused on was no longer important. And then he was able to eat and get strength. You know, I had that question for my sister. Would she ever be able to, could she see And what could I do to to make her see? And here we see that Paul began to see when that light came from heaven. And it started off this thing for he can see, truly see. See, but I don't know what... See, it has to come from heaven. See, it wasn't going to come from me... (laughs) I thought that I was going to have to teach my sister how to see. I thought I was going to have to tell her, hey, I, you got to see this. And, and I thought it was me, but, but I realized it wasn't me that was going to see. It had to come from above, from heaven, from God himself. And it was, it was God that was going to have to make her see. And I don't know what it was. I don't know if anybody else in my, in my family knows what it caused, it, but I don't know. I haven't heard anything. But rest assured, I know she could see because her dying words were, I love God and I love Jesus. Her very last words, the last words that she she said those words, she took a couple of breaths and she passed away. And I know she sees. No doubt in my mind, I can tell you she can see, she could see. And it ain't come from me. But it came from God himself. It came through his Holy Spirit. It was not a physical sight. It was a Holy Spirit sight. It was something down deep inside. And she saw and she said, I love God and I love Jesus. And she could see. No doubt in my mind anymore. I don't have to ask that question anymore. I know she could see. The question is still... Table still got turned around and it's still all me. Could I see? See as I drove well that Sunday when I went to visit her that Sunday night I had a dream. I don't remember anything of the dream except this one thing. I saw my sister with the full head of hair brown. Now, if y'all you, you, y'all never see my sister, but in, in the latest days, in the last few years, in fact, since she started taking chemo, her hair's turned white. I mean, that, it was white. She's only one year older than me, and her hair was completely white. And, she, of course, she started losing all her hair because of the chemo. And, and this is how we saw my sister. But in my dream, I saw her with a full head of hair and brown And I thought it was just a silly dream, you know. I thought, well, I'm just, maybe I'm just wishing she'd be healed or something. But as I began to see, not with my physical eyes because I couldn't see anything. It was so blurry. that, that I began to see. See, I drove to her house thinking, what can I do to help her? What am I going to do? I, I don't know. what do I CPR? What am I going to do? Do I breathe in her mouth? Do I pump her chest? What do I do? Heimlich maneuver? I don't know. What was I going to do when I got to her house? And now I can imagine, I just look, I just think about it, and I imagine God saying, You silly boy. He's just so silly. See, He already told me what He was going to do, He already told me what's going to be done. He already told me in the dream that He had something greater for her. It wasn't healing like I was asking because she was being healed. She still would have had white hair, she still would have had all her hair gone. He had something greater. He was telling me, I'm going to restore her. Just that I'm going to restore everything when Jesus comes back and be restored. I, I was going to her house, what am going to do? And he's thinking, you silly boy. Don't you understand I already took care of things? Don't you understand I got this? You ain't got nothing to do. I got, got it all worked out. I got it all fixed. She's going to be restored. She's going to have a, a head full of brown hair. There's nothing you can do. I got this. It's done. And I began to see this thing from above coming and and telling me and showing me. It's taken care of. It's taken care of. It's all good. And when when she said those words, her last dying words, I love God and I love Jesus, it was good for the family to hear that. We needed to hear that for everything we went through the, the last few months. Well, it's good, for, you know, it's good for her. that We thought it was good for her that she said that because we thought, well, she's, she sees now. But you know what? It was good. Well, I'm not going to speak for my brothers and sisters, but for me, it was good. I needed to hear that. I needed to know. I needed to hear those words because now I begin to see I began to see that God has something greater for us. Yeah, she could have lived on a few more years. She could have healed her, but he still, she still would have had white hair, and she, he, she still would have been struggling with all the things of this world. But he's telling me, you silly boy, I got it all worked out already. So by the time I got there, he's already taken care of her. But is that it? We see. So I know my sister saw. And I began to see. And I began to see God. These things that God has been showing me. How he comforted me and my family. When he showed us these things. With, with those words. It was so comforting to hear those words from my sister. It was so comforting when I, I began to look back. And began to see the dream. And I began to understand. It was so comforting. And I was so grateful to God. Oh you just don't understand how, how thankful. And how grateful I was to see these things. That the joy and peace and comfort I felt outweighed the sadness and the tears and the black cloud. These, this peace I had over me was so much greater because I began to see, not with my eyes, but by the Spirit of God that came from heaven and He showed me these things. He, he, I guess I needed the most, so I don't know. But I began to see these things and I began to see. And I could say that I, I could see. But where does that lead us? Let's go, verse, uh, continue on. It says, uh, verse 9, the second part of 19. I'm sorry, I'm kind of late. Uh, I'm finishing up now. Now, for several days, he was with the disciples who were at his Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus Christ in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. All those hearing him continued to be amazed and were saying, is this, is this not He who was in Jerusalem destroyed? Jerusalem destroyed those who called on his name and who had come from here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests. But Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus and proving that this Jesus is Christ. And this is where he leads us. When we begin to see this is where we go, this is where he leads us, this is where he wants us to be, not focus on these things of this world, these things that has us com- consumed, this has us determined, but he wants us here, right where Paul is, where Saul is, is proclaiming Jesus as the son of God, saying that he died for our sins and we have salvation in him. This is what we are uh, supposed to be determined on, focused on, that not for ourselves, but to go out to the world and tell them. This is where he wants us. Paul became the great testimony of the church. His eyes were open. And he is one of the greatest apostles and evangelists in the Bible that we read into in the Bible. And this is what God wants us. And this was where my sister was. She, greater than any sermon I've ever heard, greater than any book I ever read. Greater than all the masters of the Bible, with those few little words, she became a testimony greater than any I've ever heard. I love God and I love Jesus, and that's all she had to say. And she was a testimony, and is a testimony from now on of the greatness of God and the love that He has for us, and of His Son who died on the cross for us. She became this, just as Paul, a, a, a testimony, a witness an evangelist greater than anybody I've ever heard with just those simple words, I love God and I love Jesus. That kind of, le- now that kind of leaves me scared, I don't know if scared is a word, uh, confused, because I begin to see and I'm, I see God and I see this thing from heaven and now I'm seeing Where do I go from here? And probably you're thinking the same way. Okay, I see, but where do I go from here? And that is the thing that we have to do do brothers and sisters we need to serve God with all our hearts and all our souls. be determined to serve him to be a witness to the world that is our focus that is what consumes us that is what we are determined to do that is our life that is who we are we are witnesses to that to Jesus Christ who died on the cross and to God who loved us so much that is what when we begin to see that is where we are led just as Paul just as my sister became testimonies Now we, you and I, have to be in that same place, to be proclaiming Jesus as the Son of God, the one who died on the cross for you and me. That is our determination. That is what's supposed to consume us. That is what we focus on. That's where we are led when we begin to see. Thank you.